Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. podcast matthew miranda joined very soon as always by stacy Patton. stacy's just letting the drama build up a little bit first uh, we have a special guest today in light of the special day that it is the day after the season opener a 108 104 new york knicks defeat at the hand of the boston celtics we will talk about all things opener related but first before we do that the last of the major pro sports league kicks off this week and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to the Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. Where the pod starts is with an introduction to today's guest. Today's guest needs no introduction. He is a legendary figure in the world of Nick's media, Nick's Twitter. He is no sucker MC. For a long, long stretch, the capo to capo, 2D capo at posting and toasting. Now... Happy to announce a new member at the Strickland, but always the same place in our hearts. China Joe Flynn. China, Joe, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, Nick's as good as one can be when you lose to the Celtics. Um, uh, some will claim it as a moral victory. I say there you cannot have moral victory against the Boston Celtics. Uh, I mean, maybe you could, but not when you're actually a good basketball team now. And the Knicks are good, so. I feel like moral victories are going to be very hard to come by for this team after last season. Like, yep. you're basically going to have meaningful victories or repetitive victories, but there's not much. Um, did you think when they went up in the fourth that they were going to win? I did. Yeah, I did too. Uh, yeah, and that's and you know I am legendary for my uh, <laughs> my negativity. Yes, but when they went up by six, I just. I think it was 19. It did bother me because because uh, of all like the challenges and the like the, sl- the the technicals and all the slow stuff going on in the fourth quarter. It did bother me how the uh, the clock was grinding to a halt so often. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like when they got up six, they were up two possessions. Uh, you know, RJ was killing it quickly, was killing it. Um, Grimes hit the three. Uh, it just felt good. And then, uh, it, it, you know, it stopped feeling good. But that happens. Stacey Patton, did you think the Knicks had the game in the bag when they were up 99-93? I mean, this day and age, in the bag is um, a little bit much. I mean, even double digits we've seen. We, I mean, the fucking Dallas game last year. Jesus. Oh, God. I, forgot. <laughs> I, I had forgotten about that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, by the way, welcome, Joe. Uh, glad you're on again. Um, Thank you, Stacy. Good, good talking to an old friend. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I, I, I thought that the fact they went up when they went up six, I did have a feeling of security, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but did they? And, and like the reason they lost, a lot of it was self-inflicted. You know, I don't know what Brunson and Randall shot from the free throw line. Um, but Br- Brunson is their most reliable free throw shooter, including IQ. I think he, he shot mm-hmm. better than IQ last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- I mean, a lot of that, I, I, I try not to take too much away. Like, look, two years ago, the Knicks had a very disappointing season. They they beat the Celtics on opening night, you know? Thanks to um, our man Evan Fournier. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would say Archie Barrett, but, you know, to each their own. Um, but, um, 
But I'm not going to read. Look, we know what, and like I think they they learned some things. I think that it reminded me in some ways of the game two against the Cavs. They kept going at, um, they kept going at Porzingis. And if you ever seen, I don't know if you've seen that meme where they're like, um, have you seen that meme where it's like, there's a quote from a guy who said, "What are you going to do? Stab me?" Man, <laughs> that's what it seemed like they were doing with like they were pump faking once twice and he's just there he's like no i'm seven three and my arms go on forever and if we play san antonio hopefully they learn this lesson and don't do the same thing against them but um you know they had to adjust to kind of they love to attack the rim they love those floaters and it just wasn't there and I do think I think quickly did a good job of adjusting. I think RJ, because of his physicality, is a little bit more equipped to that than Randall. Or Randall is obviously a very physical player, but he didn't adapt well, I think, to that. Um, but look, I did. I feel like they had it in the bag. Yes. Is it? Does it suck that they had a home game against a contender? That would have been a really nice win to have. Absolutely. Do I think they were the better team and got robbed? You know, I mean that that Brunson technical was awful. You know, like the, the NBA admitted that was big. Um, I hate that toothless bullshit. I hate that. I it's one reason I don't like replay because unless you're gonna go all the way with it, it just ends up causing frustration. And there's no value in knowing that the league knows that they did something wrong, but nothing comes of it. All it does is raise the pressure. I I I posted on the strict court. What if like if you could tally the number of times the nba admitted they screw you over right in the in the two minute report if you tallied that what if that was the tiebreaker at the end of the year for something like a play-in or even things like the lottery spots right like you know this mm-hmm. team is like it has to do something right it has i like to that do i something. like that <laughs> um but i thought that um I'm, it's. I think it's a sign of how good, how far this team has come. That like, yeah, we lost to Boston on opening night. We got screwed over by calls, and yet we were up six. We had the game in control with Brunson and Randall playing both at their absolute worst. Uh, you know, Brunson got it going a little bit with some of the threes. I, I think that this was a game where he really needed to adapt a little bit more to the personnel. Um, I thought that the Celtics play, and the Celtics did they play out of their minds? Kind of in some ways. Like Tatum had 34, Porzingis had 30, and, and he's—I mean, Porzingis slept walked. I mean, uh, let's just like we—I hope we we're all over KP leaving. Whatever. Like he's just—I've been over it since 2019. He's sleepwalking his way to 30 a lot this season. That's just a fact. Like yeah. if you looked at how he scored yesterday, none of it was just like he—he he banked in a three. Fine, but like it was just. It, it's because we need Mitch in the paint. But now if he has to guard Porzingis mm-hmm. at the fucking logo, mm-hmm. and that, we're not the only team like that. That's not a Nick-specific thing. Um, Drew is a problem. I, we've seen Brunson drop 34 on Drew. We know he can do. But he's a problem at the point of attack. They're, they're a really good team. And the Knicks, were, Knicks had a chance to win that game, probably should have won that game. Um, it's tough for me to get too upset, and maybe that shows how far the Knicks have come. Where a couple of years ago, I would have said that you know this is a great game, and I would have been a lot more upset. But yeah, in light of Stacey's exceeding rationality about everything, I'm not going to ask everyone to get very irrational. Um, someone had someone tweeted something that I liked that was along the lines of, "What's your your immediate like overreaction from game one?" So we can acknowledge that these may be overreactions, but you have thoughts. Let's share those thoughts. And a lot of things didn't strike me from the game because like a lot of things were, were kind of normal. Other than Randall and Brunson, are they struggling shooting-wise? Like RJ getting 24 points on 8 of 20 is very RJ. Quickly had like a very good, quickly game. Hartenstein had a very hard side game. But the thing, like my, my day one overreaction, I'm not saying anything needs to be done, but I find myself very quickly thinking like, oh, like big picture-wise. Um the Knicks last year, I think, in some ways, it sucked for them that they got Miami instead of Milwaukee because I don't think that they learned certain lessons that would have helped them better this year against the best teams in the East, specifically Milwaukee, Boston, and if they met them in the playoffs, Philadelphia. The Knicks don't match up well with teams who have a five that can shoot 
and play face up. And they didn't have to see that last postseason because Miami upset Milwaukee, so they didn't get Lopez, they didn't get Giannis. Watching that game, like obviously you can scheme and there's things that can do better. And it's, it's just one, it's just one game, but the combination of being able to play like five, five people who can all have the ball in their hands and do something. And then all five of the Celtics are also like basically plus defenders on some level. Um, I really don't know about Boston's depth. Like I really wonder about a team that needs Luke Cornett to be their third best, like front, like big man. But um, I really, I really wonder like if the Mitchell Robinson ceiling, maybe, maybe, maybe you want to take care of that sooner than later, given a reasonable contract. I, I, I got to I got overreaction. I gotta here. Overreaction, I, I, fully admitted. I saw your tweet today, <laughs> and I didn't want to react too strongly, but I, I'm not going to call you a Randall apologist. So I will say, someone who has been very understanding of Randall. For with a lot of legitimate reasons, I agree with a lot of them. Um, if your takeaway from that game was that it was Mitchell Robinson's that's capping the ceiling and not the fact that we had a power forward who is in a plus on defense and kept hammering at KP, thinking one day one of these shots will go in. Um, yeah, I think that's more of a ceiling capper than uh, than than a guy who. Like Mitchell Robinson won us our first rounds. Can we just acknowledge that Mitchell Robinson won us against the Cavs? Talked about was... it many, many, many times. But that's a very specific opponent. That is not the kind of opponent, of opponent that you'd like because... to face at the top of the East. Well, he he got three offensive three offensive rebounds for him. By the way, is a bad game for a lot of sure. bigs. It's a good game. Yeah. Um. He he. I I don't think he played a great game yesterday. Um. But. You know, I I don't think he's the problem at all, Joe. I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this. Well, I'm gonna uh, my overreaction is kind of in, in in going towards Stacy, I suppose, because I my overreaction was that uh, Randall should not have played down the stretch. Um, it was pretty obvious that he shouldn't have played down the stretch uh, before he got in, and then uh, he proceeded to kind of justify that with his play. Um, I feel like, to be honest on this team, like maybe Brunson is the only one who needs to be playing, who needs to be playing crunch time minutes, especially depending on the opponent. And Boston, you know, Boston has, of course, KP, and then the four other guys aren't super big. And, you know, so it's not like they really needed Randall's size in there at the four. So... The, the thing, yeah, just it was a bad game from Randall, and he has those from time to time. I still think he's a very good player, but, you know, dependent on the matchup, and you know Tibbs is never going to do this, but – and it, it's, it, it didn't kill me that he didn't do it, but this is one of those matchups where it's just like, okay, keep Hart in there, or, you know, actually just keep Grimes in there and have RJ guard Tatum because uh, RJ's defense was uh, quite good. Um, so – yeah, I just uh, so it's it, in terms of blaming it on Mitch. I mean, I think he has never had to really try to guard like stretch fives because Tibbs has never I mean, asked him a, to guard. Is there a big in the? Fives. Is there a big in the NBA who's gonna like match up with KP outside? That's true, but also you know even like going Bam, back to maybe. but if you take Bam out there, that compromises yeah. Miami's whole defense, right? So. But like, even like uh, like Matt was saying about you know what about Brook Lopez? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's true, Brook Lopez. But that's that's but part it also of works Tibbs' scheme. They have fucking they yeah, have a really yeah. good power forward who's yeah probably who has an argument is the best player on the planet. You know, like yeah, it's I mean it's just I don't know. I I found a hard I found it hard to blame Mitch, especially because Mitch wasn't in there at the end. Hartenstein was in there at the end, and. Uh, Hartenstein, you know, Mitch will never be the guy that cost them a game in the fourth, I don't think, because if he's struggling, Tibbs will take him out in the fourth. But uh, we saw that, you know, if it comes down to crunch time and they lose because of self-inflicted uh, wounds, it's far more likely going to be Randall than it is going to be Mitch, because if Mitch is out there causing problems, Tibbs will yank him, like he would yank quickly or RJ or 
anyone who isn't Brunson or Randall. And, and the free throws are a real issue. I think that's a that's a good point to bring up for sure. Like it's tough to. I mean, there were questions at times. Many there have been people who have said that Shaquille O'Neal is the greatest center of all time. There were questions when he played about if he should close games, right? Yeah. Um, so Mitch should, if Shaquille O'Neal wasn't above those questions, Mitch should absolutely not be above those questions. Um, but um, but I, I'd, I'd agree. I think that when we get into the kind of the, the immediate reaction, it also, like, he closed with quickly for the right reasons, right? I mean, I, I think we should take a minute to say that a lot of people are worried that they got DiVincenzo, quickly didn't get extended. He's going to get 18 minutes a game. He got 28 minutes last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he played Which really well. About, that's what he gets. That's like this. That's as much as he's ever going to get, probably unless Brunson is hurt. So, but but Brunson that's played thirty. Brunson played thirty-two, and um and Hart, you know, he like Hart played bad, but Tibbs didn't ride him. Tibbs limited Hart's minutes. Tibbs limited Grimes's minutes. Um, I think it was, I, I don't know what it is about Boston. It seems like quickly just is very comfortable playing against them they're a really good defense so it doesn't make the most amount of sense but um he just i mean it's mm-hmm. oh, sorry i just want to say this this i, I just the real quick the t- the quickly boston thing just it's like it's just like a basketball god sign that like you have to keep him on the knicks like this guy just destroys the celtics <laughs> you don't get rid of a guy who destroys the boston celtics you just don't celtics. Yeah, you just don't do that. Uh, people are like, oh, you know, no, no, you don't. Okay, I've been watching these jerk offs for too long uh, to be like getting rid of guys who are very good against them. But I mean, I think if I was saying, I mean, we can talk about quickly separately. I think the biggest thing was anytime the um, the Celtics went under a screen, he was pulling that shit. And he's making them. He doesn't always make them. But it, was, it seemed to be a, a different level of aggressiveness from three. That I think he needs, like, and when he's when it's gonna look bad, they're gonna call him a chucker. They're gonna say, "Be a real point guard or whatever." That is core to his game. That is who you have to know who you are. And I think really against Cleveland and especially Miami, what happened was when they went under, he he's still trying to get into the pain. He's trying to do those things, which was an important part of his game to grow. But you still have to know who you are, and you have to know that, like, yeah, I'm still the guy that, like, you better not fucking go under the screen on me. You have to, that fear has to be an opponent's. Um, but I, I, what I like towards the end of the game, what disappointed me on that note is when he closes, and a lot of people are like, he needs to close games. And I think it was the right call for him to close over Grimes didn't have a great game, Hart didn't have a great game. It was the right call for him to close. You know, to, to your point, Joe, I think maybe they could have closed with Brunson. You're not closing without Brunson. The Knicks are never closing a game without Brunson. We kind of yeah. need to just be okay with that. They could have closed without Randall, to your point. I agree with that. I think there's a substantial amount of they could have gone with RJ. They could have put Harden at the four or you know, put Grimes in and put RJ at the four. But the problem is you really you turn quick like quickly's value is not from being a spot up shooter. But when he closes the game with Brunson and Randall, that's what he becomes. And at that point, Grimes is probably better at that than he than quickly is. Quickly's got a little bit of a low, low release, you know, so at that point, you're really like what his value would be in that lineup is if if your two best players are going up against Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis, which mm-hmm. they were, right? You had you had Randall trying to barrel against uh, you know Porzingis or, or oh, against mismatches with Porzingis helping. He's always the, the I don't want to, I don't know if the elephant in the room, the unicorn. I don't know, the unicorn in the room is too soon, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Joe. No. <laughs> I understand, Joe's consternation from here that um but whatever it was he had the best matchup because he was cooking Derek white all night and Derek white's a good defender i'm not but the knicks all did better against him let him create the offense and get brunson and randall easier looks or or let him just you know he he had 24 points and 11 shots so maybe just let him go but mm-hmm. the thing is that even if he's in there the offense is just going to be randall or brunson and at that point, it's just like, well, you're, you're kind of just wasting. You're wasting RJ at that point, too, right? Like, turning these guys into – and I think that's what they need to figure out because, you know, there's going to be nights where – and I'm not saying that the ISO thing doesn't work for the Knicks. There were, there were multiple games last year where they gave Brunson the ball every time coming down, and there was nothing the opponent could do. The Charlotte game stands out most. 
there were multiple games where Brunson would just be like, I'm ISOing. There's nothing you can do. And that's fine. It was not fine last night. And in those games, that's like, and I, you know that because I know that's why you finished with quickly. You didn't finish with Grimes. You knew that you needed some creation, but you didn't use it. So um, I don't know if I have a, like a, an immediate reaction, but I do think like my immediate reaction is the Knicks need to figure out how to be more democratic um, against good defensive teams late in games, um, especially if they're going quickly because that's, that's his value, you know? So I just want to get it on the record. I did not say that the Knicks lost because of Mitchell Robinson. My overreaction is that the Knicks will never win a title with a center who cannot make a shot. That's not a dunk. I stand by that, but I'm not putting the whole game on Mitchell Robinson at all. Randall was a bigger culprit, agreed. Um, I want to ask about... Can win with Kevin Looney? Kevin Looney won a championship. I was thinking about Looney today. Um, I mean, what is Looney's free throw percentage? Um, nobody's as bad as Mitch, <laughs> so it's yeah, gonna be better. I, I feel like I've seen him hit something that's not just a dunk, maybe not. Well, he in, is, in, uh, in college, no, he's an interesting he, player. In college, he's getting Kevin Durant cops. He's not then, a good free throw shooter either. He's 60 61 percent for his career, yeah. 61 percent, the 60 last 60 percent last two years. I mean, look, you want to get me Steph and Clay, I will revisit the question of whether or not you can win a title with Mitchell Robinson. Um, but as long as it's not those two, I stand by my story. Um, I want to ask about a Celtic, not a KP Celtic, actually. Um, did were you struck watching the game? Like I, I thought during the offseason, like oh, Drew Holiday is a nice like that's a great counter after losing Smart, and he's probably like not probably like he's even he's better than Smart. But watching the game last night, I felt like wow. I feel like Drew Holiday is a lot better than Marcus Smart than maybe I realized or remembered. Not realized, but like I've, Drew Holiday is a bad man. Uh, the Celtics I, haven't had a guy like that in a long time. I feel like the thing about Drew and what he did last night, um, it's just like, and smart goes about a different way. Smart goes about like with flopping and dirty tricks and just obnoxious stuff. But Drew was like the perfect guy to be in there against the Knicks, uh, particularly Randall, who is then RJ to a lesser extent. Guys who are just going to barrel in and you know what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, Drew's hands are so good. He just, um, you know, it was a really annoying to watch over and over again him like knock the ball away um he's just again that kind of goes back to the point of they need to you know figure some stuff out about you know counters or just go away from that uh will they will they learn i don't know but uh just he's just so good at like poking the ball away getting you know he is a strong dude he is not going to get bullied even by bigger players and he is going to make the play at the right moment. So it's annoying. I wish, you know, he was on having the ball swing around for years against the Celtics. Like there was always the hope in a possession that maybe it would end in smart taking a three, particularly a contested three. You don't holidays, a good shooter. Like, I mean, compared to smart in particular, I was, I was very, very like, damn Stacy, were you, were you damn about true holiday? No, uh, I thought I thought his perimeter defense was really good. Uh, when they when this my my Knicks fan cope part of me when they got Drew Holiday was like, well, the last time he played them, Brunson gave him forty four. Um, <laughs> when he out. has a when he has a rim protector behind him, when we played him with Giannis, and you know now when he has uh, Porzingis, you can see just and he he held up on Randall on post ups, um, you know DJ Ace. Um, NBA from Phoenix from school had a really good thread and, and he like one of the most impressive plays was Randall got him on a switch. Randall beat him off the dribble. So if a guy who's way bigger than you also has gotten you with a step, that should be curtains. And Randall went for the dunk he's been going for a lot, you know? And um uh, and and like it's just how smart Drew is as Drew was able to kind of stay in the lane without contacting him. So not only do you avoid a foul, but you kind of avoid um, you, you avoid 
engaging Randall strength, right? Because Randall could just knock you out. And but also he swiped from the side instead of up top, which mm-hmm. was a really interesting point because that's gonna limit the you're not gonna hit his hand then, right? Now the downside is you probably have less of a chance of hitting the ball, but he's so good at that. As a defensive player, he is elite. Um, on the other hand, to provide a counter view, there were a lot of times where I saw Drew Holiday go drive into nowhere and make a panic pass, and I'm like, hold on. If mm-hmm. Brunson did that, we would fucking have the pitchforks out. Quickly do that without the pitch. That Forget it. They shouldn't even. For a lot of those in Brunson. the first half, especially. That shit looked like Alfred Payton. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, like he had some, like he is, and that's that's the thing, right? In the playoffs, especially, the guy can the guy hit a pull up three yesterday. He can shoot, um, but this is not a dynamic offensive player by any means. Um, do they have three other really dynamic offensive players that should reduce that load? Absolutely. Um, there's a reason why Milwaukee looked really good when he was playing next, even when he wasn't shooting well. When he played next to Giannis and a healthy Chris Middleton, like. They, they're a different offense, right? Mm-hmm. But if he's your second option, or if he's if he's relied on a lot to facilitate, nah, I'm not worried about that. But on defense, he's he's in a he's the best um, he's the best guard defender in the NBA. I don't think that's there's a whole lot of controversy about that. I want to take it to a slightly different place now, but it, it was absolutely as much a part of the game experience as anything, which was the ESPN uh, broadcast of the game last night and. I don't usually talk about media stuff or gripe about it on pods because I really don't like to beat a dead horse. But because this was a new broadcasting team with Doris Burke and Doc Rivers replacing Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, the horse has only very recently died. And so I feel okay kicking it just a little bit before we let it go. I, Mike Breen, obviously awesome. Um, but I feel like Mike Breen and Doris Burke and Doc Rivers are like what happens when a league or a team decides like they do not want anything but cheerleaders calling the games. I, I used to love Doris Burke and I still like Doris Burke. Like if Doris Burke is calling a game, I'm cool. But Doris Burke has become since her elevation in ASPN is such a cheerleader about everything, everything in, in, in place of analysis sometimes, or just God forbid silence. Um, and it struck me listening to Doc Rivers just basically chuckle his way through the broadcast that like I I already miss Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, which is not something that I necessarily thought I would say right after they were gone, but at least Van Gundy would speak what was on his mind. What did you think of the of the broadcast? Joe, I'll let you take that one. Well, I'll be honest, I didn't listen to the broadcast. Uh, I don't <laughs> listen to Wise Man I mean, Joe. Yeah, I listen to Clyde and when Clyde is not. And I can listen to, I guess I can listen to the non-Wally MSG broadcast. When Wally is on, I have a hard time. Yeah, agreed. But um, I just want Clyde back. And uh, I was hoping, you know, I was hoping they would bring in Van Gundy. Um, Obviously, he ended up taking a position with the Celtics uh, coaching I suppose but um, also I, I, I don't like I don't like uh, Mark Jackson so I'm glad he isn't calling the games uh, for MSG but in terms of national stuff it's just I don't know it's, it's never been a thing of mine I, mm-hmm. I don't like them uh, I don't like national folks uh, of course TNT always has uh, Reggie Miller calling the Knicks games and I'm not about that so I'm of our age where no no, Do you Reggie like Reddick at least? JJ Reddick? Yeah. Jefferson? Yeah. Oh, Richard Jefferson, no. Jefferson no. is no. Jefferson's a no for sure. <laughs> but you like Reddick. No. Yeah, I do like Reddick. He's he doesn't have like yeah, Richard Jefferson has that that Nets thing where he just like and I, I kind of get it for Richard Jefferson because like he was this he was on the superior team like his entire time in New Jersey. And you know, he was completely overshadowed by horrible, horrible Knicks teams. Uh Including so what? Would... I mean, his former teammate, right? Was he? He was yeah. on the team with Marbury, right? Uh, was he on the Nets with Marbury? I think no, because he. No. I think his rookie year was Kid's first year. 
Canyon was Canyon played with Marbury. Marbury Marbury was a former net though, right? So yeah, oh, he yeah. was, but he was yeah. traded for kid. And I no, no, that I know that. Rich, I'm just saying, like that's here. still like with Marbury getting all the, the fanfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point, yeah. It's yeah. just uh, it probably. Uh, I get it. I get it. I get why Reddick has taken a little bit of a dick turn lately, though. He's gotten a little like he used to be. He kind of landed the way for me that Tony Romo did in the NFL, where it was just this initial, like, wow, like this person is such a breath of fresh. And like, starting with the Bob Cousy plumbers deal, like, which just was not a good look, I thought. He is a little dickish sometimes, but he is better than a lot of them. I cannot abide Richard Jefferson in my house. Like, I keep the mute button near me anytime that man gets near the screen. He was on last week with like two or three shirt buttons down, thinking it was something. No, 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 no. I can't have that. (laughs) I, I was shocked. I shocked. I will say with the Bob Cousy plumbers thing, um, I I think there is a, a a righteous backlash against. I mean, it this is this expands beyond basketball, right? Is the idea that you know, millennials, Gen Z, are just the plague on humanity, and um, mm-hmm. you know everybody else has created this amazing world, and they need to shut up and dribble. So. Um, I kind of, I vibed a little bit with Reddick kind of, you know, like a lot of the older folks who, like, Allen Iverson has never had a problem giving credit to players who play today. I don't know why it's a problem for Oscar Robertson or for, you know. Yeah, I think I could, I could, I could. Mike the Mad Dog who never fucking played at all, but go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's a, uh, it was a reaction to the, you know, like the most of the. Most of the, uh, you know, I love that commentary, Joe. I, I think yeah, we need to hear what Nora, she has to say. So, Nora's Nora got Nora, is, Nora has. What does Nora think of Richard Jefferson and JJ Reddick? We got <laughs> She probably doesn't have much thoughts about. She doesn't have many thoughts about uh, Richard Jefferson. Uh, a little bit before her time, but the lucky uh, girl. She just ran over. <laughs> yeah, she just ran over and was like, yeah, da 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 da. So she's uh, she's having a good time, but it. uh, it's it was a natural reaction to like the. I don't want to say Charles Oakley, but uh, it's kind of like the bitchy Charles Oakley attitude of like, yeah, young players are, young players suck. Our our, our game was so much whatever. Can I just um, call it Fox News bullshit? Because that's how it, it feels it's, like it's to me. Annoying. It's but like I don't want to. Bob Cousy say something like that. that yeah, I know it's not. Yeah, that's Bob what I'm Cousy saying. Did. He he caught us straight. I'll I'll admit yeah. that. And what, what's part of this from Reddick's point of view? That's the problem. It's just the, the problem. general attitude that like like. Like no, because Chris Paul is really good, and then Mike the Mad Dog like just was like he's oh. not even up. He's he fucking sucks. So it's it's for Russo is hardly the voice of a generation of anything. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, but he's, he's like like he like let's did do you really think Russo didn't vote for Trump twice? Come on, like he yeah, is a Russo fucking is. he's like every fucking history teacher I had. In, I had I think I, I don't know. I grew up in I was in high school 2003 2004. I love as late as 2005. Going. I had history teachers telling me there were definitely fucking weapons of mass destruction in Iraq after 24 months of there being none and I had to fucking argue with them mm-hmm. and um, so I think a lot of people from my generation are just it's like we like we're tired of hearing like you you're dumb and you're lazy and you like avocado toast or whatever the fuck it yeah. is um, was it all right no like Bob Cousy's a legend and should be treated that way but uh, I do think a lot of the backlash is coming from that um in terms of Doris Burke, for a while, I've just felt like she's anti-Nick. Um, it's not just me. Jason Concepcion, aka Network, tweeted out literally the words, Doris Burke has an anti-Nick agenda. He is not someone who tweets out things that are anti-media um, or even pro-Nick, really, even though he's a Knicks fan. So um, it definitely has felt like that for a while. I think, I mean, I, she is a Knicks fan. She's claimed to be, I mm-hmm. love she does in college. I love when she does college games. I like when she does non-Knicks games. She knows basketball really well. Um, I think that we are all just, though, like there is always on one end, of, like the, on one end of the spectrum, the other, there is always an incentive for ESPN broadcasters to take a take on the Knicks. Um, and some of them have started to move to the positive side, right? Kendrick Perkins last year, mm-hmm. for all of his hot takes, started to be the guy who was like, pushing Nick stuff. Um, even today, J- Jason Williams and Stephen A. Smith were on the, after the Knicks lost. 
both of them said they have the Knicks as the third best team in the East, which is which is an optimistic view. That's about as optimistic as you can get because even us, we're not putting them over Boston or Milwaukee. I don't think either of you guys are, right? So, um, you know, it, it's just – that's the, the nature of the beast with, with the Knicks. Um, and it's going to – it's just very interesting to see it because they haven't been good very recently. So we don't know what it's like when they're good, how polarizing the takes are going to be. But it definitely feels like Doris for whatever reason. Uh, it was most annoying when she did the Nets games because she just would constantly praise Kyrie Irving, especially yep. when he was more than KD. Like, you want to praise KD's a fucking alien. And Kyrie Irving's really good, but she would just, especially during the times, was like, all right, you want to talk about the fact that he's kind of an asshole? Um, she never did that. She would she'd be sure to bring those kind of things up about Randall. So, um, you know, I it just, it's weird with her. I don't think she's a bad, I think she's a very good broadcaster. I just generally don't enjoy her doing Knicks games at all. Were the Knicks not able to uh, to challenge that flight, the technical called on Brunson? They weren't because it wasn't called. I think, um, or God, I forget what it was. But they well, they, they called a flop. They called a flop that was a technical. Can you not? Can you not appeal that? I guess I don't know. Um, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What? So, are we? I just wondered very cynically if maybe the reason the Celtics traded Marcus Smart is that they knew with the new flop rule that like his value is just going to plummet. <laughs> um, were you what, what did you think of that? Were you like, oh, okay, good, like this is working? Because it's I thought on the tinfoil hat, Matt, right here, by the way, <laughs> it's all everything's coming out tonight history teachers, conspiracy theories, Nora, everything's coming out tonight. WMDs, yeah, WMDs. Yep. So I thought, um, oh god, I completely just lost my, my train of thought. What was it just ranting about? Um, flopping. Flopping. So the KP1, I'm like, cool. This is a good rule. Like, I, I don't have to see that crap anymore. I'm happy. But then seeing the Brunson one realizing, wait a minute, we've given these officials who were not, like, I don't think we're fair to them a lot, but we certainly don't, like, trust them to have their hands completely on the wheel. And now these people have full discretion to decide, like, basically interpretive dance and, like, what is a flop and what is it. Like, I don't think i like the i don't think i like that idea i think that's a tough spot well it's, it's like when whenever you make more rules you add more subjectivity right um you know so you don't like that offensive players can barrel into people you add a charge rule okay now there's gonna be subjectivity you say sometimes it's okay that they can do a block more subjectivity um the the like the statement and this was shout out tag right iq for add iq for three tag um you know, friend of the friend of the Strickland, he posted the clip, and the NBA's response was that they missed that call, and they said had, but they also said this, like, yes, um, effort. Who who was the player that landed in Brunson? Was it Tatum? Tatum. Tatum landed in in, in Brunson's spot. Yeah. If he had not, the theatrics they use the word theatrics from Brunson <laughs> would have been um, deemed for a flop. But it's like, but. It's not theatrics if he landed on his fucking foot. Like, can yeah. we talk? Like, there is a reason that rule exists. Ask Kawhi Leonard when mm -hmm. you got, when that changed the whole landscape of the series. So, like, it's not theatrics if it actually happened. So who the fuck are you to say that? Um, and, and I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this. Like, yeah, like, at this point, those statements do, like, what, like, what do we get for that? Do we get a second round pick? Like, how many times... Are you gonna do this shit, and we get a second round pick at the end, or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but yeah, like I, I don't know if they could challenge it, um, but that was just a little. The theatric thing was like something that you know, some little fucking asshole who controls that account decided to be a shithead. So you know, it's just like um, it just just be don't be an asshole, you know? Like, but the NBA refs, like that's what they are. I mean, they take a lot of heat, so probably there's like a a Napoleon complex there or whatever, but like you're not important. You're you're here to do your job. So fuck you. And if you get it wrong, then just say you got it wrong. I think that's not just an NBA issue. Uh, if you watch baseball, uh, the umps uh, or also fucking football, have... right? Passing a yeah. joke, you know. So yeah, but I, I'm talking about like the Napoleon complex, as you put it. The like the, the them getting like. Very sensitive. I don't know if NFL refs get as sensitive about it as MLB. Umpires have a short fuse today. A very, yeah, very short yeah. fuse. Yeah. 
Um, so and, and making it more about them. That, that seems to be more like an NBA MLB thing than football. Mm-hmm. I feel like football has they have their their refs more under control. Maybe because there's so many of them, and just I don't know how it works. But uh, um, that's my thought. So uh, yeah, yeah. I just uh, it's going to be annoying. It's as all things are when you know when Boston is involved. Uh, and uh, the refs are against us, and uh, the media is against us, and uh, you know Peyton, Peyton Pritchard's six man of the year campaign kicked off yesterday, and uh, you know what do you have like two points or something like that? Now they're going to paper over that. He's already the front runner for six man. We all know. What did the other six uh, man do? Uh, who who knows? Who knows? The six man of the other team. I don't know. Was he good? Uh, no, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, because he might start a game. Like what if Jalen Brunson gets hurt and he has to start a game? Then he's not a six man anymore. He's Yeah. The job of a backup backing up, is, that, that doesn't count as being a backup. Yeah. Um, kind of oh, on that I can't note. wait for that. I can't wait until Drew Holiday gets hurt. Not not that, that I want him to get hurt. <laughs> I can't wait until one of them gets hurt and Peyton Pritchard starts a game. And I'm going to be like, oh, look at this. He started a game. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Malcolm Brogdon didn't start those games last year. Derek White did because they didn't trust him. He was the sixth man, but he wasn't the sixth because I don't know. I, does six come after five? I don't know. I, I, uh, who knows? I, I'm not a, a math genius or anything, but I think six comes after five. So if one of the five goes out, that's got to be the sixth guy, right? I thought I was over it. I thought I was over, and then in preseason, when when Pritchard started getting the hype and on like on TV and all this stuff, I was like, no, I'm not over it, not at all. Not, I, I think quickly, quick after the playoffs, and he didn't play much in preseason at all. And when he played, he wasn't great. Like I think yesterday was a reminder, like how good quickly is. Did you see anything different, or was it a kind of a continuation of of what you've kind of already know about him? Uh, you want to take this one? Or... Go ahead, Joe. Oh, okay. I love Emmanuel quickly, so uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm biased, but uh, except for uh, I think Stacy pointed out the the pulling up from three uh, with regularity and with great success that was important. But in terms of him just like getting on the court and just wrecking shit, and especially against the Celtics, just uh, making things do making things better and especially when he and rj were cooking and they were pushing the pace a little bit uh it just looked so beautiful and uh you know i don't want to talk about the extension stuff so i won't but let's just say he's on the knicks right now and uh you know i hope he is healthy and always uh wrecking shit like he did against boston because you know, it's just a, a joy to watch. Uh, you know, Brunson is a joy to watch in a different way when he's on. He was not on in Game One, but um, it, what a what a what an important thing it is to have Emmanuel quickly. Just even if Brunson was on, you know, you know, he's not. Brunson is great, but he's not Michael Jordan. He's not going to be great every game, uh, and he's going to you know some games he's going to miss, but just to have him there when the team needs him, he just does what needs to be done most of the time. And it's just incredible to watch. And I wish he had, I wish he had more chances. He did airball that three at the end of the game, which, which sucked, but I I did wish he had a few more chances uh, to cook at the end of the game. It would have been nice. So we're talking about the Celtics quite a bit today, who obviously have a place of hate in Nick fans' hearts that goes back to the beginning. Nick's next game is tomorrow, Friday, against the Atlanta Hawks. I'm curious. It's been a couple of years since the Knicks and Hawks played meaningful games in spring. I think it was spring that year. Uh, yeah, it was spring. Um, what are your feelings on the Hawks? Like, do you still get a little riled up and it's still like, you want to go down Atlanta and you want to inflict some pain on this team to get back at them? Or at this point, has it been long enough that, you know what, the Hawks really haven't done anything since then? They don't really pose a threat. I don't care about them. Or do you still feel like, nah, screw them? They don't pose a threat, but I still don't like them. Uh, <laughs> they're just obnoxious. They talk a lot of shit. They are 
I don't really have any problem with Hawks fans. They seem like a nice bunch, a decent enough bunch. But uh, who, who from, as, as, you know, Hawks fans. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, no, I hadn't heard of those. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got. I was like, yeah. But uh, in terms of the players on the Hawks, they're just uh, mm-hmm. they're a a a a group of people I don't like personally, and uh, I hope the Knicks just go down there and I. I I'm a little annoyed that they lost yesterday. They lost to the Hornets, which is pathetic. They did. Uh-huh. They um, did. But I'm a little annoyed because I wanted them to come in with like a big head, be like, you know, because they talk a lot <laughs> of shit. They talk a lot of shit for a team that uh, hasn't done anything in two years. So I, I do like when they come in and, you know, maybe Trey writes something on his shoes that he's like the king of Broadway again or something like that. And then the Knicks just beat it by like 25 and it's just beautiful. Now the Knicks, if they want to go beat them by twenty five still and put them to zero and two, that would be great. Um, that's the next best option. Yes, that's the that's my plan B for the Knicks. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Joe still has that hate in his heart. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Never. I mean, God, I hate so many. You know, uh, we're we're around the same age. The three of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, you build up so much hate in your heart over over so many playoff losses and so many years of just uh, crap. So it's hard to imagine. There's not too many teams in the East that I don't hate. Um, I can find a reason to hate most of them. Like, you know, Charlotte. I don't care about Charlotte, except for Gordon Hayward. But uh, otherwise. Pistons. What about the Pistons? Do you hate white people? Yeah, you're right. The Pistons. Uh, God, they never played. The last the last Pistons series was like the Bernard. No, it was the uh, when they, they finished off the bad boys, right? That yeah. was nice. Did the Knicks so, ever? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say. The, when did the Knicks face the bad boys? 92. Uh, 92, yeah. That was the best of five series where like every other play between it was Ewing, Oakley, McDaniel, and Mason against Lambeer, Rodman, um, John Sally, and like Mark Aguirre. It was just like muscle colliding into muscle for five games. It was incredible. It was it was, uh, it was brutal. Yeah, it was a good win. Um, but, yeah. So I yeah, I don't have anything you're right. The Pistons are like one of the older teams that I don't have any problem with. Uh because That's we've never wizard, really. How do you feel about the Washington Wizards? Wizards? Yeah, well, yeah. Prez and I, Prez and I went to a game last year, and uh, they they won. So the Knicks won. So okay. uh, no, I mean the Wizards. Who, who gives a shit? I mean the, the, the Magic. Wizards. I mean, yeah. If I was alive in the '60s and '70s, maybe when the you know when Earl the Pearl was there, I would care. But uh, what about the Magic? The Magic. The Magic. No, not a not. Don't really care about them too much. Um, you know, there. I think you hate fewer teams than you think you do, Joe. Yeah, I. You know, it's just they just pop out in my brain, like the Bucks. I don't care about the Bucks either. So that sounded like a therapist conversation. I, do you hate? Maybe you don't hate as many people as you. Think. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's it's a it's a moment of clarity. But uh, the Hawks, no, I, no, don't like them. I'm uh, oh, sorry. I, I kind of. I, I think that this game yesterday taught me that, like, I didn't get. I honestly, the fact that it was Boston was a secondary concern. For me, like how I evaluate every matchup right now, I think we're like I think once we get to the point where a bona fide contender and everything is tooth and nail, I'll go back to hate. And when we had nothing, I could just hate everybody, right? Because you know, it's either shitty teams that are on our level and we need to kind of we're fighting for elbow room with them, or it's great teams that were often teams like Boston whose fans are insufferable, and I hated them. Now I I just want to I just, every game is a measuring stick. Where is this team at? That's what I care more about. Um, that's how I'm approaching the season now. It'll probably change. I'm sure I'll. Uh, I mean, there's weird like I kind of like I hate Minnesota a little bit because Turian Prince decided to fucking. That's I mean, if I have hate right now, it's for the fucking random dude, like Ricky Rubio going eight for nine from three or Turian Prince ruining Randall's 57-point game because he decided that he wanted to be an NBA player that day. Like, those things piss me off more right now, but... Uh, well, okay, but then I just realized that Miami exists, so... <laughs> I fucking hate the God. God oh, that Lord. fucking series last year. That That is number one. That'll always be number one. I, I, I'm a 90s Knicks fan. I, I hate the Celtics, but the Heat, God damn, the fucking Heat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a special... That's a special place. We don't and have I to even res- talk about. It. I, I even respect Spo. Like I'm Asian American. He's 
he's an Asian American coach, great coach, but man, fuck Miami, and fuck yeah. all the hype around them, and every like. Here, let me ask you guys this. Um, I know you guys are reasonably, you know, more level-headed, I think, on Tibbs than most of Knicks Twitter. If if you had the same teams, the Heat and the Knicks last year, and Spolster coached the Knicks and Tibbs coached the Heat, who wins that series? Heat and seven. Wow. I say Knicks and seven. I think Knicks because... and fucking four. Come on. Oh, God. <laughs> just the heart, starting heart, and just like – I don't know because like – well, it depends. It does – does he like bring his like does he get to bring Pat Riley's like voodoo dolls and like various magic dark magic satanic yeah mm-hmm. where like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent become... I mean the Knicks had the best player in the series if you give Eric Spolster the best player in the series I, I don't know maybe you guys don't agree I, I think I Butler was massively overrated no, ma- oh my god and their fans talking about like oh but if if if, if Hart didn't hurt him they would have won the title shut up look at what Bam does every fucking play but oh um you give you give like Spolster would have made Randall really good Spolster would have yeah. made would have probably solved like he turned Max Struess into a playoff god and Caleb Martin you don't think he would have solved Emmanuel Quickly's issues no I think not maybe not yes. four I mean yes but, I think that the Knicks dominate if they like. I think the Knicks are the better team. The Heat are the better coach, you know. Like, but it's not. That's not the narrative. The narrative is the Knicks have shitty overall talent. You know, their first option is not as good as half the t- players in the NBA. The second option is not as good as half the top the second options in the NBA. That everybody sucks. Tibbs should get his dick sucked all the time. Leon Rose sucks, and he's put us <laughs> with a bad team all the time. So that's the narrative, but if you look at the facts, I don't think it really holds up. But yeah, so um, I don't hate as many teams as Joe um, Mm. off the bat just because I'm trying to evaluate this team. The exception is Miami. Fuck Miami. Like every other game we play, I'm going to be looking more at how this team does, how they match up as a measuring stick. Against Miami, Like I just want fucking blood. I have a I have a thought though. Tomorrow, when you see Trey Young's fucking face, and you're just gonna be like, okay, now I want him to win by twenty five and just uh, oh, of course, just humiliate them. You see his face; he just has that face that uh, you just you know you know mm-mm, just Knicks by a million. Uh, like, and then they're gonna play the next day. They're gonna play the um, the Pelicans, and I don't you know who cares about the Pelicans, but. It's gonna be a tough game with Zion healthy, but who cares? I mean, they're the Pelicans. They're bloggers. I don't like their bloggers. But... Oh yeah, the small town, uh, the small sit, small market bias guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 optimistic about the Hawks game. Uh, I hate being yeah. This guy can't keep. I was telling before Stacy before you got here. Uh, feeling optimistic is like a weird thing for me, but. Um, Hey. They're just—they're good, you know. Uh, if they take, they should take care. And uh, they don't have, you know, the Hawks don't have a stretch five. They don't have to worry about the poor, the Porzingis type, you know, with Capella. No, I mean, they, they have to Kongo. worry about the schemes they'll throw at Randall. They have to worry about Murray on Brunson, those kind of things. But they're a deep team. Um, I don't think. I mean, this is the first pod we've done in a while, so you know, it's only been one game, and it's a game that wasn't. It doesn't change much. They played not their best game and still had a chance to win against you know, a title contender. Uh, Joe, what's kind of your prediction for the season? And Matt, I'd love to hear yours as well. Oh, okay. I was uh, – seeing Randall, like, do his thing yesterday, kind of – I was I was feeling bullish on Randall until I watched him play. <laughs> like, I just – Maybe it's the off season, all the Bruce Lee talk and uh, uh, all his meditation on on uh, social media made me feel better. But I've got to tell you, I feel like, and I. So the last time I said the Knicks were going to be good was two years ago, and they sucked. But I'm going to say it again: the Knicks. I'm I'm predicting. I am predicting. Blame it on Joe, wins. everybody. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I. I feel. I'm feeling fifty wins. I'm. I'm. I'm bullish. Uh, just and even yesterday, I mean, they lost, but they just, you know, 
they have so many weapons. They have so many. They can throw so many guys at you. If Tibbs can just, you know, lean into the depth, making sure everybody is uh, rounding into, you know, form and uh, playing the right guys, which you know, I think he'll he'll do okay. Um, they just have they just have too many weapons, and uh, they're just they're too deep. They're too skilled. Uh, they're too good at what they do. And uh, very few egos on the team, so it helps when you have a deep team with few egos. That's, I think, one of the problems with the Hawks in recent years uh, had depth, but uh, too many, too many egos. One in particular, yeah, I would say. Danilo yeah. <laughs> Gallinari, come on, <laughs> that guy's such a deep. No, um, always over star. I expect the Knicks to win a few less games this year than they did last year. And the reason is just uh, I can't expect Randall to not regress. Well, I can. I, I need to see it um, because I feel like I don't, I don't feel like there's something magical with, with Randall's offseason struggles. And I just wrote a piece that's coming out probably tomorrow um, for reasons why I think some of his su- successes last season maybe paint to a better likelihood that he can have success this year. But until we see it two years in a row from him, and I think it's obvious if you watch, if you've watched Randall for now four plus years, adjustment is not always a strength of his. Ad- adaptation is not always a strength of his. Randall is good at like, I'm gonna. He has this, this little flow chart and he's gonna follow it, and it's very successful until someone throws it off. The whole league is gonna adjust this season to what he did last year, and particularly to what Cleveland and Miami did against him in the playoffs. Yes, he was he was hurt by injury, but still, those were two great defensive teams that had game planned. Here's what we're going to do to stop this man's success. The whole league has had a chance to think about it. I would love to tell you that I pencil him in for 24 and 10, and he shoots 46 and 36, but, like, I have to see it. And, and honestly, like, I don't know if anyone had anything like this last night, but, like, my my creative writing brain is always looking for, like, Twilight Zone, like like, weird things that happen. Like, this could be a cool story. Did you get any feeling the first like three minutes of the game? Like, what if a basketball team never made a shot the whole season? Because they <laughs> kept missing like right at the rim and like kept tapping out. And I was just like, as it went on, I was like, this would be a horrible, horrible nightmare. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think I, I said this before. I think that first game jitters are commonplace for most teams. We're yes. not going to see a lot of. Like if you watch the Lakers and Warriors, the Warriors are a seasoned contender. That's whatever the continuity. They looked sloppy a lot. Um, you know the the Cavs nearly lost the Nets. You know, it, it's just the, the early season games. In that sense, I can't take too much away from that. It's just, um, but yeah, it was ugly as fuck to begin. <laughs> so, and it didn't help that they were like, oh. There's a seven three guy. Maybe he'll fall for this pump fake. It's like, no, like he knows what he's doing. So they did that. By the way, that that's something they did against Jared Allen too. And then they did it for one game and realized they shouldn't, and they won the series four one. So hopefully next time they figure that out. Girlfriend, anything that you want to pitch or let people aware of where to follow you, what to be looking out for in the near future? Oh no, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not retired, but, uh, uh, you know, just follow me on Twitter, China Joe Flynn, uh, Blue Sky, China Joe Flynn also. Um, and, yeah, just uh, I might uh, – Stacy knows this, I suppose. Uh, Matt knows it, but I might be doing stuff for the Strickland. Um, I probably will. Yeah, From welcome, time to welcome time. Board, man. We're, we're all Thank really, you. really happy about that. So. Yeah, I was happy about the reception I got on the Discord today. It was very, uh, very warm – beautiful sentiment so um and thank you guys for having me on uh so that's it for me well there was much joy in mudville that is all for this episode of the believe next podcast this pod is presented to you by bet online but it is mostly presented by me and stacy and this time joe thank you for being here joe we'll look forward to having you on again at some time in the future stacy peace to you and yours to all the nick fans out there touch with you again sometime next week after this team has some wins to talk about until then
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.